Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. As we do every Thursday, we talk all the latest news, gadgets, gizmos, technologies, and happenings in the tech world. And um, this week, I've actually got more than more than I can talk to talk about in one hour, but I'll try to condense it uh, into something a little bit more manageable. But I was in uh, Rome last week for a very very interesting press conference from a company called Messe Berlin, which is actually the owners of a huge trade fair that goes on in September, end of August, beginning of September, every year. In Berlin, and that's called IFA. I'm not exactly sure what it stands for, but essentially it's one of the largest tech trade fairs in the world. And it runs over five days, and it's in the Messe Berlin, which is their main show area. And it just covers all aspects of consumer technology for the most part. So we're looking at everything from fridges and freezers. And and they are, without question, technology today. Every fridge needs to be connected to the Internet. And can you imagine not having a washing machine that's also connected to the Internet? There's some good reason for that down the road. Uh, I think, unfortunately, we may not have the platforms and systems in this country yet to take advantage of all that smart stuff. But, I mean, smart homes, smart appliances, smart pretty much everything is definitely the theme of the show. And in a little bit just after I've been through some of the interesting news of the week, um, we'll talk a little bit about what I saw, what I learned, and some of the interesting insights that came out of the press conference, because essentially they had 300 press from all over the world, and what they did was share not only information about product, which is key, obviously, a couple of really new launches there, but what they also shared is that essentially we have had a, a really rough time in South Africa the last two years for lots of good reasons. The economy has been down. Our political situation has created all manner of havoc. And unfortunately, the um, the market has responded. And we've had a, a pretty torrid time. Well, the, the good news is, and this could af- affect us quite incredibly over the next little while as our political situation changes and it's not the political show it's the tech show but it affects everybody a lot of the big companies were not investing a lot of the big companies were just doing very little in the south african context but globally the market has been growing at a steady rate um over the last couple of years three four five years and the the growth continues pretty much across the the planet, every country, with the exception, and this just shows you how much politics affects everything, with the exception of England because of their Brexit challenges, um, there's no question that they uh, are not responding like the rest of the world. But growth in Africa is seen as a huge positive. The big tiger in the world in terms of consumer electronics is China. They are growing at double-digit figures beyond anything that anyone has ever seen. And it's becoming increasingly the largest market for technology in the world, surpassing the USA, which for, for, for decades has been the number one technology destination for every major brand. Now it is without question China. But Africa, with its sort of hidden potential, tons and tons of people, lots of young people, is certainly seen as an incredibly important brand. And we'll talk about one of those a little bit later after a really interesting conversation with Ericsson. Now, Ericsson uh, are one of the mobile mobile 
suppliers of the equipment that makes the the mobile industry work. They supply the radios. They supply the systems that control the um, subscribers. They are actually the backbone of every single technology. And over the years, Ericsson in Africa and globally have certainly been at the forefront, the cutting edge of technology. And uh, we are now ta- we'll be talking about 5G, what it means for Africa. Is it coming to Africa? What's happening globally around the whole thing of 5G? And that's something over the next two years you're going to hear absolutely endlessly. There's no question that 5G as a technology is coming fast. Many countries in the world have switched off 2G, the old GSM standard technology that worked on dumb phones is off. It's gone in America. It's gone in large parts of Europe, Korea, so many, uh, Japan, they've actually switched it off completely. And they're actually in the process of switching off 3G, which is a whole other universe uh, of, of uh, technology that's slowly going away. I mean, who would imagine? In South Africa, not happening so quickly. But essentially, 4G and 4G technologies, which are evolving into 5G, are going to be what we're all going to be using our smartphones for in the next little while. And the growth continues, but some more about that in a, in a few minutes. But essentially, um, I will be talking about a, a, another company that is really on the up and up in, uh, and, and doing a review of their latest phone, the new Huawei P20 Pro. They are doing amazing things in Africa. They're certainly growing everywhere. Um, they also presented at IFA, and I'll come back to what they did there as well. But so many, so many interesting new things happening um, over the world of technology. And as I said, the good news is that the market is growing, is growing strongly, driven by smartphones. Surprise, surprise. But television is still huge, and we'll talk a little bit about that um, straight after our little break. But the other huge growth area, which totally took me by surprise because who would imagine a handheld vacuum cleaner being a significant technology item that it's so big that it is the number three growth area in the world. So you wouldn't believe that's the the facts, but those are the facts. So next time you rush out and get yourself a duster buster or one of those, realize you're part of a growing trend and it's not far behind televisions and cell phones. So just remarkable stuff coming out of that show. But the, the simple fact is that people are buying and included in those sort of like handheld appliances are robotic vacuum cleaners. Apparently, they've been a huge success. None available in this country, um, but uh, soon we will see them. You just go to work. Your vacuum cleaner unplugs itself, vacuums the whole house, carpets, washes the floors, and plugs itself back in. Sounds like science fiction, but it is one of the largest growing Mark, um, product categories in the world, robot vacuum cleaners. And expect to see, and they gave us a few little glimpses, expect to see more and more robotic home appliances. One, things that talk, think for themselves, do things for yourself, um, perhaps even order the um, groceries for yourself and do everything that you want in the home, fully Pluggable and a plug inable. That'll be quite something. So we'll be back um, straight after this quick advert because I want to give myself some time to talk about IFA. I'm going to cross over to uh, our sponsors now and uh, I'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM.
Well, welcome back. And I'm going to do a quick roundup of what happened at this IFA press conference. And one of the major topics that, that came up is something called GDPR and Poppy. Now, this is a topic that generally does not impact particularly technology per se, but essentially um, the general data protection regulation system in Europe and our own local system, which is very similar in most respects, called POPI, the the Protection of Personal Information Act, are both coming into play in terms of what's going on in South Africa. And one of the first things that came out about this is that um, so many services, there's been huge privacy concerns around Facebook, there's been huge privacy concerns and issues around do you want to be forgotten on on Google and those sort of things? And all these particular new legislations have a massive impact. For example, I saw this morning that WhatsApp is going to have to raise the age that you can legally register for WhatsApp. And this is quite something because who does not give WhatsApp, give a smartphone to their kids the first thing you do is put WhatsApp on it and allow them to WhatsApp you and you communicate through WhatsApp. Well, can you imagine that because of this new um, act that's coming in the GDPR in Europe, the minimum age limit to use WhatsApp will be 16. So it is quite a big deal. I mean, who would have thought that something as basic as sending a message on a smartphone to someone would have an age limit? And the, the talk is that in South Africa, in around about 18 months' time, that age limit may even be 18 years old. So you'll have to prove at some level or some way that you are either 16 or 18 before you can actually um, register for WhatsApp. At the moment, it's totally automatic. If you have a phone number, you download the app, you install it, and off you go. Um, and and uh, there you have it. So GDPR, the protection of data, the protection of information, was a huge topic. And we're going to see more and more of this because, quite honestly, the amount of data that uh, Facebook has on you is unbelievable. The question is, where is that data stored? Is it stored locally in Europe now? They're going to have to be – that data is going to have to be accessible and stored locally. So you can no longer have your data stored in some server in America that potentially – Chances of it being hacked is probably one in, in a trillion, but the fact is that data will have to be accessible to you and available in the territory in which you live. And that is something that is also coming to South Africa under the Poppy Act. You will actually have the right to any service that has any data of you. You have to actually give permission that, one, they keep that data, two, where that data is stored, and they must be able to supply you with full information on transferring that data across borders, across territories, across servers. And it, it just creates an enormous amount of work for, for many companies. And one thing in South Africa, you will find, for example, cloud services, which are on the rise. We're seeing enormous growth in cloud services. Um, and those services tend to work anywhere. So wherever you go in the world, if you've got a cloud service for, let's say, email, using a cloud service for your documents, you're using a cloud service to store your pictures, which a ton of people do. Talking about Dropbox, you're talking about OneDrive, you're talking about any form of data storage platform. Well, now with these two new acts, the GDPR in Europe and the Poppy Act in South Africa, 
as a business owner and as just a general person, you and I wandering around with our smartphones, wandering around with our laptops, storing data in the cloud, are going to have to be aware that that may no longer be legal within the context of the privacy protection laws in the country. Now, it might sound like another administrative burden. And for most small businesses, for you and I, it'll be pretty much an accepting uh, a disclaimer or a, a set of rules saying, I'm aware that this data is no longer in South Africa or this service is based in Ireland and I will be storing my documents on their servers in that place. Ireland, interestingly enough, is part of the EU, so it's part of the GDPR. And in fact, a lot of the services from Microsoft use servers that are based in Ireland. Um, More and more that's coming to Africa, but right now that is exactly where and how these types of services operate. And you're going to have to acknowledge that you're happy that, well, you give permission. Whether you're happy or not is another story. In fact, I saw some people now uh, today at an event where they had little covers which they or they stuck on their laptop to cover the camera because they're so concerned with privacy. So privacy is a huge issue. It's going to affect all businesses. It's going to affect you and I quite significantly in terms of what you can do, what you can't do. So expect disclaimers, the ability to sign up for services to be I wouldn't say restricted, but certainly there's going to be a few more hoops to jump through. You're not simply going to be able to buy a cell phone, load whatever you want on it, use any service, give it to whomever you please. They definitely are going to bring in a lot more regulation around how um, and why and what you do with your particular information, what information you access on what servers, where in the world. And there is just no question that um, like WhatsApp, your children's you, you will not even legally be able to agree to give your child um, a WhatsApp account if he's younger than 16 in Europe because the law will absolutely prohibit it. Any communication that goes between a child and um, another child or yourself and that child is under under 16 will be illegal and in terms of the new GDPR, will be prosecutable. So you have to think quite carefully about what's going on. And that is coming into a force next month in uh, in Europe. And it absolutely will have an impact on what goes on in South Africa and what services that we can and can't use. So I will try over the next couple of weeks to just explain more and more how this all works, what the impact will be, how it will affect your normal day-to-day services, if at all. But it definitely will have an impact on anyone who's using Office 365 from Microsoft. Um, Expect to see a whole lot of new terms and conditions. It'll affect Twitter. It'll affect Facebook. It'll affect Instagram. It will absolutely affect every common Gmail, for that matter. It will probably affect. So we're going to see over the next couple of weeks a lot of changes to the terms and conditions of all these apps and product that you use, how you use them, where you use them, and, um, you know, what you get up to on all these various things. platforms and every type of thing that you get involved in so stay uh, stay alive to it it's not really a, a big deal but it's just something that um, it's going to affect you and I personally some businesses are going to be more affected than others but I think ultimately the protection of your data how your data is dealt with the regulation around your data is going to make it much more um, structured in the overall impact and how you 
access various online systems. And unfortunately for us, it may add a little bit of an administrative burden. But overall, I think it'll probably make the world safer. It'll certainly bring massive clarity to what is going on. And it will perhaps sort out this quagmire of madness around leaks and data and where's your stuff stored and the use of your data by people like Cambridge Analytica um, using data that they were not authorized to use to do things that perhaps you wouldn't want them to do with the information that you give them. So so as I said, um, I'll do my best to bring that all to you and and explain how this is going to impact you, if at all, and uh, we'll follow that up as as this all unfolds. But it was a huge topic at IFA because of its impact on the industry and how it's going to affect everything. As I said, the number one growth market globally was smartphones. So it's still growing as a um, industry. It was around about 4% global growth. But understand, there are now billions of smartphones in the world. And I've also been seeing a lot of rumors. In fact, it popped up today in a conversation that, for example, the iPhone X, the latest high-cost, high-quality phone from Apple, um, has actually had very poor sales. But the truth was, and this was again highlighted very clearly um, at IFA when you drill down in the numbers, although there's global growth in smartphone sales of 4%, it's mostly in the lower end and the mid-range. The high end of the market has slowed down significantly. And in fact, for the first time, we've seen a contraction in sales of high-end smartphones. I think it's a combination of two things. One, if you've got an iPhone 7 or a Samsung 7 or even a Samsung 6 or any other high-quality phone from two, three years ago or last year's phone, the need to um, upgrade, the need to improve that phone is actually a lot less than it's ever been. The camera's still good. It's still fast. It runs every app that you can think of. It still looks good. The battery life is decent. So why would you want to buy a new phone every year if you don't have to? And I think that's something that's happened across the world. We're seeing a global um, saturation of the high end of the smartphone market. And as the prices have gone up, I think people have slowed down and said, you know what? I'm not going to change my phone every couple of months or every nine months or every year, even if it's a fashion accessory. I would rather wait an 18-month period. And so the replacement of phones definitely has slowed down. And I have no question that the top end of phones, um, like the iPhone X, which are selling in globally in the in the 20,000 Rand range, which is significant money for a, for a device you put in your pocket and leave on the table, um, has slowed down. So we're going to see, I think, a real shift. Africa still seen as a massive growth market. We only had around about 40, 50% smartphone penetration. 2G hasn't died here. We, 3G is definitely not going to die for many, many years. They're still selling tons and tons of non-smart feature phones. So there's still potential for massive growth in smartphones and what smartphones can achieve and what they can do over the next couple of years. But right now, we are definitely seeing a high-end global slowdown in smartphones. And that's across all manufacturers, not just Apple, as some of the reports want to highlight. And we'll be back straight after this. We've got a a really interesting interview with Ericsson, um, the people who make the networks that make our smartphones work. And then I'll be back with my gadget of the week and obviously some other little bits and pieces and information. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. 
Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And we have someone really interesting all the way from Dubai via technology, which works. Sometimes it doesn't. And um, we have Jonathan Adams, who's the customer unit head for South and East Africa for a small technology company called Ericsson. Now, Ericsson have a long, long list of firsts. I mean, in many ways, they helped found the mobile industry globally, not only in Africa, and they played a massive role in the growth of mobility in Africa. And now, obviously, as we've discussed, the buzz is all about 5G. And um, what is going on you know, globally, and we'll drill down as we go along, what is happening globally with 5G? It seems to be coming really, really quickly. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you very much, Stephen, for the introduction. Uh, it's good to be uh, talking to you on uh, 5G. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, based actually in uh, Nairobi, so I'm calling you from Nairobi. Oh, brilliant. For a year or so now, uh, and that's been quite exciting. Um, so 5G, um, as we saw at the World Congress in Barcelona, at the annual fair, it was actually uh, quite an exciting um number of things presented by different people. Uh, for Ericsson, I can say we, uh, we presented a number of new customers and uh, we're in a, a very good position in terms of the number of contracts we have um, already. So 5G as a, as a technology is, is definitely starting to move quicker and quicker. Initially, people were talking 2020, 2021, but it seems that 2018 may be the year of commercial 5G. Yeah, I think uh, the, the more advanced uh, operators have uh, really pulled the timelines forward and people have really started digging into, you know, where are the applications and the business cases. A lot of pilots uh, going on and a lot of experimentation. Um, we have some of that also in Africa as well. Uh, in, uh, in South Africa, you've probably seen MTN make some announcements with some very high speed from 5G with Ericsson. And let's just explore that a little bit because everyone talks about speed, but in many cases, certainly in a continent like Africa, where you've got the entire gamut of speed from kilobytes to gigabytes uh, going on, um, is 5G all about speeds? What's the impact on mobile in reality around 5G? And what, what is it going to do in the nearest future to you know what we expect from mobile and connectivity? Yeah. So um, uh, 5G adds something uh, in terms of speed, of course, as you say, but 5G also uh, brings along with it new possibilities, and people talk about IoT, the Internet of Things, and there it brings the possibility to do a lot more with machine-to-machine and with different applications for different industries, uh, whether it's uh, you know healthcare, agriculture, uh, manufacturing, all sorts of different applications. Part of that's also driven by the, uh, the incredible developments in uh, battery technology as well, so that you can have a number of remote devices which can, at a very affordable cost, be connected to uh, different devices over many years and can communicate intermittently, enabling such a, a growth in the machine-to-machine space. So in essence, 5G is not about just going faster. It's about a lot more capacity to connect a, a lot more things to other things. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, it, it goes further than that as well, actually. What it does is because you're able to uh, manage and control things 
in uh, a distributed way for uh, different types of industries, it actually gives the opportunity to change the processes, to change what's being offered in the market for those enterprises and those different industries. So it's, it's created a lot of possibilities. And people are, are now doing a lot of trials today and trying to explore how to take that forward. But more specifically, I mean, you've now got a very high-speed, high-capacity connection that's mobile. It's no longer tethered to a fiber cable or whatever. Um, what what specifically are people trying to do with that sort of technology? What what um, specifically is it allowing people to do which they couldn't do before? I think that's quite a key thing. Sure, uh, I mean there's uh, a number of different uh, applications which uh, which we're trialling with uh, many customers uh, around the world today. Um, there are applications around you know um, remote mining, for example. Uh, applications around, uh, you know, weather monitoring, water management, uh, around um, a whole array of manufacturing scenarios where, you know, you can uh, enable machines more to do a lot, a lot more of the work. That's very, very, very interesting. And here's the big thing. We, we live in a really interesting continent. Well, you're right in the heart of it. <laughs> sitting in Nairobi in Kenya. So you, you've got some real sense of the diversity of challenges within the African continent. I mean, there's, we're sitting on 200 meg fiber lines in Johannesburg and beyond. Uh, some of that exists in many other places in Africa, certainly in Nairobi and high speed LTE plus, et cetera, et cetera. How will 5G play in an environment that's quite that diverse? Yeah, so I think there is a place for 5G in Africa, that's for sure, right? And uh, I think people are asking, you know, when is that? I think the timing of that, probably 2020 years onwards. And then I think the other question that people ask is, uh, you know, what's what's really applicable for Africa? And I think, you know, Africa has some very uh, Africa-specific sort of challenges and opportunities um, around things like agriculture, around healthcare, water management, uh, and some weather challenges. So I think those are the kind of interesting spaces, uh, first of all. Um, largely speaking, um, maybe South Africa excluded and a couple of places. Uh, manufacturing isn't so big in Africa uh, at the moment. Um, the economic setup is a lot of the investment money comes from partners who are then uh, bringing their manufacturers goods. So we, we haven't seen so much experimentation in that space yet in Africa. So I would see it concentrating more on agriculture, water, maybe medical, those sorts of areas. And what about the older technologies? I mean, one of the it's one of the few places in the world where older 2G and possibly well less so, but even 3G technologies are still very dominant and still growing. How do they interoperate or interact with these new ultra high speed technologies? Is it something that you can do, or do you have to run two totally separate networks? Uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's certainly correct, and it's, uh, it's, it's seamlessly, uh, integrated now. All our, all the, uh, equipment that we're delivering now is what we call 5G ready. So that means operators, our customers, uh, they can invest knowing that, you know, what they're buying is actually ready for 5G when they want to move to that. And that's, that's very suitable for a lot of African, um, uh, operators today. And what is the uptake within the African continent? I mean, I know that Vodacom in South Africa, MTN specifically with yourselves, 
um, have been experimenting and showing, you know, the the sort of semi-commercial use of, of 5G and 5G technologies. We've got our own challenges around spectrum and allocation yeah. and, and, and yeah. that horrible acronym called the WOAN, which we won't even mention. But essentially, what is the applicability and what is the interest from the various operators to extend their networks into the next generation right now in Africa? Right. So, I mean, you, you bring up South Africa as an example. And I think South Africa is one of the more advanced markets in Africa. So I think uh, that's that's the way to look at it. I think that uh, in Africa, in South Africa, sorry, I think they see it's coming and they see they, they need to plan for it. That's certainly what we've understood and that's in their thinking. And I think it's just a timing question, right? I think, uh, as you alluded to, there needs to be a set of things in place for, um, you know, success for the operator because it's a business they have to run. Okay, and those things include spectrum, as you mentioned. You know, uh, I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was at a conference with um, a number of regulators all across Africa and a number of operators, uh, talking about how they're trying to uh, organise the spectrum in Africa. So it makes a makes good sense, and there was a very good concerted effort. So there is a consensus on a harmonised spectrum plan for the new technologies across large regions of Africa. That would be an interesting development. Yeah, I, th I think they're working towards uh, reducing the complexity and making it more viable for operators to invest by, by doing that. That's that's the intention. And there are different sort of, uh, you know, paths forward. Uh, I can just imagine. Interesting <laughs> conversation, that one. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's the same conversation in all, all parts of the world, right? It's a challenge challenge everywhere. Then we have the market and the regulation. Obviously, you know, there's been uh, quite a lot of progress over the years from the regulator in terms of, you know, making the market both competitive for the consumer and also viable for the operator to invest in, right? Because it needs to be a win-win situation there. And I think there's a lot of uh, progress happening there. Um, then, of course, you know, it comes down to, you know, what are the applications? Well, this is the key thing. I mean, it's wonderful to have a technology, but uh, what do you actually, what does it do for you? And and in South Africa, the one thing I want to mention is obviously we've got this huge high cost of data and data must fall issue going on. Um, will 5G and the new technologies actually aid in that regard? You know, I think the uh, the direction of uh, cost for data, which you bring up, is uh, it's coming down, right? And um, it's all about volume. Uh, Africa's got a very exciting, uh, vibrant, young population. Uh, we've done a consumer survey, uh, our consumer lab survey, which is the annual report you may know about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can find it on Ericsson.com if, uh, if you want to look it up and, and find out. I actually highly recommend our listeners do that because it's got some unbelievable insight into what the consumer across Africa wants and is doing right now and in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. And so sorry to interrupt for that commercial break. <laughs> it's very clear. It's very clear that, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a growth in population. You've got a young population, which is uh, generally adopting technology quickly, and a complete boom in uh, broadband and broadband demand. And those things are also very good for uh, increasing inclusiveness, uh, economic inclusiveness for people, which I think is on the, a lot of government agendas. And it's really just about, you know, how quickly um, operators can afford to roll out the networks and bring all that data 
capability, um, 3G, 4G, and then the applications with 5G, which we talked about in industries and things, that'll probably come uh, a little bit later, 2020 onwards. Um, we see a build-up happening uh, thereafter. And the average consumer, someone who simply does a little bit of social media, a little bit of connectivity, using their phones for just general day-to-day stuff, are they going to see any major change? Apparently, the handsets will start rolling out at the high end sometime by the end of this year. So will it be a fairly seamless transition into the new generation of, of technology? Or will there be some sort of disruption or big change that we can expect to see? Yeah, I think most of the industry have learned that disruption is not good for uh, for them. For business. There'll be no disruption, I think, uh, on the way. Uh, and I think good news for your uh, for consumers everywhere is that, uh, you know, prices will be coming down. Um, and even with the existing investment plans that operators have in the 3G and the 4G, I think uh, consumers will be getting a much better experience anyway. A lot of the new technology that we're uh, providing to operators is giving much better performance and uh, capabilities. And, you know, that hasn't yet been fully uh, rolled out in, in Africa. And do you actually, it, well, I think the burning question is very simple. We are still catching up in many respects. 4G, 4G+, plus, the, the more advanced LTE technologies are still not, apart from South Africa, are still not ubiquitous across the continent. Is it necessary at this stage in terms of the development, according to Ericsson's sort of um, research and your understanding of the market, or do you believe that there's going to be a step-type setup? We'll hang in with the older technologies until we're ready for the newer ones, or do you believe that we're being dragged along by the global change? I think it's a, it's a good question. It's a natural evolution, to be honest. I mean, uh, it requires, uh, I mean, to get the very latest handset. Of course, those prices are coming down, which makes it more accessible to people. But, uh, you know, it does require the general public to be, you know, taking on newer, more capable handsets if you want the very, very latest 5G or whatever it is when those are out. Um, and that will take time for it to churn through the uh, the, the mass subscribers. Um, I think for now, you know, 4G, 3G is becoming more affordable. So it's really about, you know, how quickly people can afford change devices and also how affordable they are because they are becoming more affordable. But that's that's a natural transition which has been happening over the last years and it continues to happen that people get more powerful handsets and they're more able to take advantage of the, uh, the technology. And those trickle down to lower and lower cost devices as the technology advances. So do you foresee a very, very different world in three to four years in terms of sheer capability and the way that we interact with the mobile technologies based on, on your experience with what's happening in the 5G sort of roadmap? Yeah, I think uh, I think you can say that without 5G as well. Okay, that's interesting. It will, yeah, I think, I think it's quite exciting uh, picture for Africa. Um, just a broadband, mobile internet availability for people, much more affordability over the next three, four year period. I think 5G adds an extra dimension, an extra twist, as we discussed earlier, which is more about, you know, industry applications and, uh, you know, being able to you know, change the way that industries work. That's really, really interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time.
Um, as can you believe that like nearly 20 minutes is almost gone? We could probably talk about these things, you know, for hours and hours, but thanks so much for your time. And we will stay in touch because I do believe that there's a lot more being planned for Africa. You guys have got a lot of initiatives to try to, you know, grow the ecosystem and the, the base of talent within the country or within the continent for that matter. And I'm sure you've got some interesting technologies up your sleeve. Absolutely. I mean, definitely in Africa, uh, it, is a, it is a growth market, as I've, I've discussed. And uh, we've, we've set up some innovation centers. We call them garages. Uh, there's one in uh, Johannesburg, for example, where, uh, near where you are. Um, and, you know, the idea is to actually work with the ecosystem and, uh, you know, try and go with that because a lot of things are being explored now. And that's essentially to try to expand the usage of mobile technologies and create the sort of adjacencies so that more can happen. Exactly right. Exactly. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, and we will chat soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Stephen. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting discussion around the whole growth of 5G, the growth of mobile. <clears throat> and there's no question that mobile is transforming Africa. It's transformed the world. It's just a completely different place. So never mind about things that are going to stop us using WhatsApp uh, if you're young. If you're older, I suppose you can use WhatsApp as much as you want. But essentially, mobile and mobile technology has completely reshaped the way we do pretty much everything. And then just shifting back to uh, my IFA report back, the key overall theme, apart from just general growth in consumer electronics across the world, is how so many companies are trans transiting from what they were to what they weren't. So one of the first ones... Um, was a company called Philips. Now, Philips in South Africa has been here since day dot. They've always had a huge industrial arm. I mean, they do a lot of medical and industrial applications. But generally, Philips was known as the people who did the portable radio, if you're, you can actually remember that far back. Not only the portable radio, but, I mean, they did so much in the way of just standard consumer electronics, headphones and bedside clock radios and, and gizmos and gadgets and light bulbs, you name it. But as a company, they are transitioning and quite significantly turning towards connected health, connected technology, everything that connects to the Internet, apps for everything. And what they launched at the IFA press conference, which was really interesting, apart from the fact that they really want to highlight how much they're moving into new areas such as health and wellness, was an air conditioner. Now, when I say air conditioner, not something that cools the air in the room, but actually conditions and cleans the air in the room. Now, we are very fortunate in South Africa that we live in a place where pretty much the climate and atmosphere is extremely good um, and there isn't enormous amounts of, of pollution, though the major cities are starting to get worse and worse and worse. But the simple fact is we are starting to see um, concerns and, and research coming out, according to Phillips, that show that particulates and dirt and uh, pollution in the air has a marked effect on your health. And they are now releasing uh, little piece of equipment they look like little cubes uh, you put them in your room they're very affordable in terms of i think they sell in europe in the region of three four five hundred euros which is seven eight thousand rand and they automatically clean the air um, of all these types of pollutions and warns you but this is where it gets so smart it actually then sends you a um 
it sends you all the information to your smartphone. So you can actually see, before you get home, the quality of the air in your home. And that seems to become seems to be quite a big, big, big deal. They obviously shared a lot more, and they said that they're going to be launching a whole lot of new products at the IFA show in September, which makes sense just in time for the holiday period in in, uh, in Europe. So stay tuned. I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting stuff from Philips around connected healthcare, connected appliances, stuff that actually makes a difference in your home. The other, the next company that had a major launch of a major product, which um, I'm not going to go into much now, was Shop. We, you know, we all, I've, I've spoken about 4K TVs. That's four times the resolution of HD um, and they are certainly becoming ubiquitous, one of the big growth areas around the world. People are definitely buying uh, high-end, ultra-high-resolution 4K TVs. And even in South Africa, the price of those TVs has dropped below 10,000 Rand for a 50 to 60-inch. That was another interesting stat that was shared. The entry-level TV is bigger than 50-inch today. Essentially, any TV smaller than 50 inches hardly showing up in the global sales figures at all. The average TV is between 55 and 65 inches, which is massive, but it just shows you where these this technology is going. But what Sharp have done is launch the first commercial 8K TV. Now, it's going to retail for 11,000 euros, which is around about 170,000 rand. But as a proof of concept, as um, an indication of tech and the difference between 8K TV, 4K TV, and HD TV is that actually looking at a physical picture, a photograph, is not as sharp as what you can see on this particular sharp 8K TV panel. It, the picture quality is beyond anything. But the benefits of that is not simply a sharp picture because beyond a certain you know, sharpness, I think we can all live with the quality that we have. The difference is, and what Sharp was saying, is that a TV of that quality, the the growth of digital to the point where you can transmit 8K resolution television, means that you can have screens that are as big as your wall. Can you imagine that? A three or four or five meter big screen which will go onto your wall um, and it will be ultra sharp and ultra clear. It'll be like having a movable window. Uh, and that is the big advantage. And a lot of people have said to me, but, you know, we can't even get 4K TV. Well, you can. If you have streaming from Netflix, pay a little extra, you get 4K streaming. The quality is brilliant. If you have um, uh, Amazon Prime, you can get 4K product. It's becoming more and more. In in uh, Europe, Sky TV is broadcasting in 4K. And I fully expect that DSTV over the next year or two will start broadcasting in 4K as the technology becomes more and more affordable. And as mobile gets faster and faster, you're going to start seeing that sort of quality being able to be recorded. In fact, some of the phones can do that now. So Sharp launched that. It was quite a huge, uh, huge 70-inch TV at a huge price, but it certainly gives us an indication that before we've even got used to 4K, 8K is now available. Fitbit also showed off their latest, latest products, but I'm not going to go into those now. There was a local launch, and we will see the new Fitbit product in South Africa in the next two weeks. As soon as they're available, I will let you know all about them. And they've got a great, great, great new um, smartwatch, which I think for the first time is just absolutely good looking it's got all the features you would want to know about and it's going to be pretty well priced 199 euros in um 
in Europe. It's probably going to be about two and a half, three thousand rand in South Africa, and it's a fully fledged sports activity watch. And I think we're going to see um, quite a lot of new product coming from them, and that, as I said, will be out in the country very soon. But now, as per usual, I move on to my favorite topic of the week, which is my gadget of the week. And just, I spoke last week. I think the week before, about the launch of the new Huawei P20 Pro in South Africa, pretty much six days after the global launch in Paris um, earlier this month. And I was very fortunate enough to get a review unit delivered to me uh, just before I left for Rome. And I must tell you, I was able to spend an enormous amount of time with the the phone over that period obviously spent a day or two running around Rome looking at all the sites and Rome is like a movie set it's just begging to be photographed Instagrammed and apart from the good food and all the amazing sites Um, but essentially the new P20 Pro is Huawei's latest flagship it's available in South Africa it's available from all the operators it is unfortunately a really premium product it's going to sell for around about 16,900 Rand, if I'm correct. Um, The P20, which is a slightly smaller version, is a lot less expensive. But the P20 Pro is a large device. It's a 6.1-inch OLED screen, which is the first for Huawei. It's the first time they've used an OLED screen. And I must tell you, the screen is absolutely outstanding. One of the best screens I've seen on a Huawei phone to date. But... um, Very, very, very high resolution. But the standout trick on this phone is that it doesn't have one. It doesn't have two. It's, in fact, got three cameras on the rear. And uh, it's not all a gimmick. Um, Huawei, for the last two years, have been working with Leica to come up with probably some of the best uh, smartphone cameras available. And, in fact, this new P20 Pro has pretty much reshaped how people consider uh, uh, smartphone cameras. There are three, as I said, cameras on the rear of the phone. One of them is a 40 megapixel. Now, the only other camera that had fractionally more pixels than that was a um, Nokia from many, many years ago, and that was quite the beast then. But this particular camera is a 40 megapixel camera with Leica lenses that's also and that doesn't does not end there. It's also got a secondary um, twenty megapixel black and white uh, camera, um, and then it still doesn't end there. It has a further eight megapixel, eighty millimeter telephoto lens, and the three work all together with um, some really clever software tricks and techniques to give you probably the best quality photo uh, camera that I've tried. I mean, taking pictures on ultimate zoom, the camera itself uses, or the phone itself uses all three cameras to stabilize the picture. And it's quite remarkable. Even if you take a picture of something that's moving, the smart sensors in the camera um, figure out that what you needed, and it sharpens up the picture unbelievably, which is the biggest problem with zoom. You can never, the more you zoom, the more your hand shakes, the better the quality, or the worse the quality gets. And I must say, the amount of times that I used in low light, um, used the P20 Pro to take pictures of the Sistine Chapel and all the other places that I managed to get to see in the two days that I had, um, was pretty much spectacular. I have not yet used a smartphone that has a camera of this quality, and not only in full daylight, which a lot of good smartphones can do. At low light, it was absolutely astonishing how the technique or the AI, the smart uh, quality of the of the the device, and in fact, 
AI or a form of artificial intelligence is built right into the camera. That was the other thing. It, occasionally, it got a little annoying. Um, for example, every time you take a picture of the sky, it automatically or, or where there's a lot of sky in your picture, the AI in the camera automatically recognizes that you're shooting into the sky and optimizes the picture for that quality. If you take a picture of green, the forests, it optimizes for that. The only thing I found rather annoying is every time I took a picture of a person, it would go into portrait mode automatically. Now, you can switch the AI features off, but um, then you won't get it to do what it does so well uh, in other things. So you can switch that particular mode off. It just adds a little step. But essentially a very, very, very smart camera using unbelievable quality lenses from uh, Leica. And it, it, it's without question one of the standouts of this device. I'll be back straight after this um, with a little bit more information about the P20 Pro. High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And we've just got a few minutes for me to wrap up. I need a lot more time than that for the P20 Pro. The P20 Pro runs the latest version of Android with um, a UI that in many ways is very similar to what people have got used to, um, the user interface, which is similar in some ways to um, iOS. So it's clean, it's flat, it's simple. Everything's accessible on one screen, and it's incredibly fast. It's using the latest Kirin 970 chipset, which is made by Huawei, um, and it is incredibly fast. It's fluid. It has tons of memory. It comes standard with 128 gig of memory, so you can uh, pretty much save a ton of photos on it. Um, and essentially, it is extremely good looking. It's slim. It has the new 18 by 9 profile, and it has one other little feature that uh, iPhone made famous the notch there's definitely a little notch at the top of the screen around the microphone and the front facing camera it also has visual face unlock now not in my experience not nearly as smart as the version that's used in the iphone 10 but it is really excellent apart from the fact that it could not recognize me with glasses and a hat on otherwise every time you just lift the phone up have a look at it it instantly opens up far faster interestingly than the p9 uh, from Samsung. Uh, really, they've implemented that extremely well. And overall, despite the fact that the camera is without question one of the top cameras on the market, certainly I've been getting excellent results from a P9, the iPhone 10, but this certainly, the zoomability, the, um, the AI enhanced, even though it's sometimes a little overly dramatic, um, and certainly the front selfie tends to remove all wrinkles, which some people might love, but it's not particularly natural. You can, again, switch that off, but it defaults to quite a smooth, cartoony look on the front selfie camera. But the rear cameras are, without question, some of the best that I've ever played with. And overall, as I said, the, the quality, the ease of use, it has one drawback. There is no 3.5mm um headphone socket you have to use the adapter which is supplied it also charges incredibly quickly that's one other standout feature despite the fact that the phone is ultra slim ultra light it has a 4000 milliamp battery and the worst thing to do when you're traveling is to run out of power halfway through the day and not be able to take pictures well i use the phone as a hotspot to share my internet connection. I use it as a camera throughout the day. I was out of the hotel the entire day walking around and the phone lasted easily until I got back home 10, 11 at night with 
no problem whatsoever. Probably the best um, battery life I've ever had on a smartphone when traveling. And I didn't even have to worry about it. I was down to 20, 30% by 11 o'clock at night. So I could probably have left it till the following morning or kept going another couple of hours. So I must admit, it charges unbelievably quickly using the included charger only. It charges pretty fast from any other charger, but Huawei do have a proprietary fast charge technology, which means you have to use their cable and their charger. But if that happens, you can stop for 20 minutes and get around about 50-60% charge and 30%, uh, you know, if you've got half an hour to catch a cup of coffee, um, you can definitely top up your phone to nearly 80% power. So the fast charge mode works incredibly well. The battery life is outstanding. The screen is excellent. In fact, I would go as far as to say as the P20 Pro is one of the most complete packages I've had the pleasure to use in in many, many years. It's certainly outstanding in in most respects the the user interface some people find a little fussy a little bit confusing that can be a challenge from many android phones in fact i prefer pure android like the new nokia phones with the android you know standard on android on it but while i've done a great job of making it smooth making it slick it's fast it runs games there's absolutely no app that i've tried that has not worked extremely well and um, when you combine it with the camera quality, the screen quality, and just the overall build quality of the device, I would say this is probably one of the top devices on the market currently. And um, let's see what else comes out this year. But it could end up being one of the smartphones of the year for 2018. It's super competitive, and it's pretty much available everywhere. Now, before we uh, close off for the day, I just want to switch to an interesting app that I've found. Um, I've been using something called Shazam. Now, how often has it happened to you? You hear a tune, you hear a song, you hear a little snippet of music somewhere, and you'd love to either know who it is or, um, you know, instead of or, or find or listen more or find out what the artist is. Now, there's been an app for many years called Shazam. You can download it now both on the iOS store or on the Play Store. Um, Android. It's even available on your um, your desktop. But Shazam is a great app for um, recognizing music. Well, recently I've always used another one called SoundHound. Now they've redone the interface. And in fact, I think it's now even better than Shazam. It's quicker. It's faster. You can listen to music. And it really picks up sounds that are very obscure. The only both of them struggle a little with classical music. I think the variations are just too huge and you can have the same piece of music played by 50 different orchestras. It gets a little bit much. But any popular music, jazz, and a whole host of anything else, all you do is open up either SoundHound, which is my new preferred sound music app, or Shazam, and off you go. So if you're looking to find out what's playing, try one of those too. And on that note, I can see our time has run out once again till same place, same time, Next week, right here on High FM, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.